When patients are in the hospital, there's nobody more active in their healing process than nurses. In most scenarios, nurses are responsible for checking in with patients every hour to be sure they're doing okay and for ensuring a smooth transition to the next nursing team on duty. But all the scheduling, planning, tracking, and measuring is done manually today, increasing risks for patients of falls or neglect, and putting tremendous burden on nursing staff to keep up with everything that's happening in their ward. It should be no surprise that the innovation to change that was created by a couple of nurses who wanted to make things better for everyone. Hello and welcome to Data Points, the podcast that's all about how data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Paul Coyne, a doctor of nursing practice and the president of Inspiron, the world's first cognitive patient assistant. Paul's story is a remarkable one that you're going to want to hear directly from him, but I can tell you that he's had a pacemaker since he was 15, a stroke at 22, and been an investment banker while also getting his nursing degree, his MBA, serving in clinical nursing, and co-founding the company that's won innovation awards from the American Nursing Association, Fast Company, and South by Southwest Interactive. You're not going to want to miss this look at Inspiron, as seen through the eyes of its co-founder, Paul Coyne. Paul, thanks so much for being with us on DataPoint today. Thank you very much for having me. I've been really excited to talk to you ever since I uh, became aware of Inspiron around the South by Southwest um, Interactive Innovation Competition this year, um, and am really eager to hear more about where you're going with Inspiron and uh, some of the backstory as well. And I think maybe it would be good to start there, if you don't mind. Um, can you give us a, a sense of how you came to co-found uh, this really incredible innovative company? Yeah, I mean, how far back should we, should we go? You want to go right after one? <laughs> but from birth, I would say we've, we've got all day. <laughs> well, I guess I'll start. I'll start post. I'll start post graduation. Okay, from fair college, enough. and then quickly breeze through that, and then uh, we'll get to the we'll get to the good stuff. But I, I graduated good. from uh, from from Providence College in two thousand eight, and um, right after I graduated college, I had a stroke and had to recover um, while I was at, at Goldman Sachs. I had already had a job offer at Goldman Sachs. And so um, I just moved to New York and, and tried my best to, to, to make it, make it through the, 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 for the difficult recovery and, um, and uh, traded derivatives while I was, while, while I was doing it. Um, so I, I did um, three, three and a half years there uh, while I recovered. I had difficulty speaking and walking and, and ultimately, um, you know, regained my vocabulary and my memories and, um, Really, at that point, came to a, a part of my life where I was trying to figure out if um, what, what to do next, and I wanted to one give purpose to what I w- went through, and and to prove to myself that my brain was was back. Um, and so I I thought uh, nursing was was a good way to do that, and so I became a nurse. I went back to school um, and um, got a bachelor's and a master's and a doctorate uh, from Columbia, and um, at the same time I I. Well, Got an MBA and a master's in finance from from Northeastern, and um, you know, really, <laughs> I couldn't do that now. I, um, my wife's expecting a baby in, in five weeks, and <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, be able congratulations. to just go to. Thank you very much. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to go to all that school um, now. So I'm glad I I did it. I was I well, she wasn't wasn't around, and I was just recovering and wanted to really really go for it. So I went to a lot of school, um, and then um, along the way met met my wife at, at Columbia Nursing School, but I also met um, a wonderful friend. And, um, and the founder of, of Inspiring, uh, Michael Mike Wong, and 
um, we um, were study partners, and um, my career moved me to an analytic um, role at, at New York Presbyterian Hospital, um, where I was responsible for some of the research requests and uh, the data infrastructure, data warehousing, data visualizations, and really being the bridge between the clinical and the um, the data folks um, to help them sort of speak, translate some of the, the requests and the help translate and, and create uh, solutions for the hospital. And uh, Mike moved to the bedside and was a clinical nurse uh, at New York Presbyterian mm-hmm. on the cardiac unit. And and, the, and so um, he was out uh, sick. Um, he had hurt his, hurt his knee. And um, he was on, you know, out, out for a month. And when he was home, he, he was a little restless and, and had, had an idea to put a device on a, on a behind the bed uh, that would um, initially we had some some early ideas for it, but really one device that could do as much as as possible, just one mm-hmm. device on the wall that would do as much as possible. And and he called me up and we had stayed friendly. This was about you know three or four years later um, after we'd met at, at school. And um, he said, you know, I, can you meet me? And and I uh, I remember thinking like this is going to change my life if I go if I go meet this guy because he's he's um, he's got a lot more drive than than me and it really is a remarkable a remarkable guy. But I thought like this will be this will be changed my life. Um, and so it did, and I, we met there. And he said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this and assemble a team. And I said, okay. Uh, so we we did, and and um, assembled a wonderful team. And over the last you know a couple of years, um, we've we've made some substantial progress um, to to achieving the goal that we had set out for um, in the star in Starbucks. Uh, but it's been a, wow. it's been a great journey. Yeah. So all right. Usually I don't do this, Paul, but your backstory raises about a million questions. Um, I'm going to confine it to just a couple because I think they'll yeah. be relevant to take us where we want to go here. But sure. when you had a stroke, which obviously is a very unusual circumstance for somebody your age uh, at the time, had you had a lot of prior experience with the healthcare system or were you getting sort of a crash course in you know how, how health is delivered? Yeah, so I am. Um, no, I was born with a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, so it's a disease mm-hmm. where the ball between the ventricle is, is too thick, and and that was what caused the the stroke. So I've had a um, ICD, which is like the paddles that you see on television on the inside of your chest. It, yep. it just kind of sits there and, and waits uh, for something to go wrong with my heart, and then if it does, it shocks it. Uh, luckily for me, it, I've had it for 17 years now, and it hasn't had to fire. But I've had multiple surgeries to change that that out because the battery dies. Um, so, Got it. Um, so when I was 15, that was the first time that it went in. And there were some complications with that with that surgery that I was in the hospital at Boston Children's Hospital for for a while. And then I was an EMT in college. Um, so I had um, some experience both with the both as a patient and as a provider as a, you know, even prior to the stroke as an EMT yeah. and as a patient of, of with a heart disease. And then um, the stroke and being a nurse kind of elevated both to those to the kind of, I guess, the next level of awareness for both oh, yeah. patient and provider, if you, if you will. That is a, that is a really unique set of circumstances. Um, and it actually leads to the, the second question I wanted to ask from a backstory perspective. When you decided that you did want to go back to school, why did you choose nursing? What was it about nursing that really appealed to you? The the nurse in in, in my opinion I, I guess my opinion, but I, I think it's true I don't think people would disagree is that is the role that's best suited um, to heal all aspects of the patient both physical and emotional and you know uh, so much time I think as we look at those as a as two separate things 
Um, but I think they're the same thing. A sick person needs to be healed physically and emotionally. Um, and uh, the nurses were the, the individuals that helped me do that the best, um, that, that combination. And I thought um, being an awareness, me personally having an awareness of, of what it's like to be a, a patient, I wanted to be able to do that um, and understand both. And, and the nurse was the role that I think can, can really heal um, both aspects. Fantastic. Okay. So now let's flash forward. You and um, Mike have yeah. come up with the, this idea and you're thinking, you know what, I think we can do this. We're going to assemble a team. Tell me about sort of the process for creating V1 of Inspiron. Yeah. So we, uh, the, the first thing we did was uh, try to find someone that could help make it because <laughs> we're uh-huh. not um, hardware, hardware experts. Sure. Um, so uh, we went to, we emailed everybody. Um, and when I mean everybody, we just, we emailed every PhD that we could find online and just said, hi, you know, Paul and Mike, we were just firing emails every night um, to whoever would um, write back to us. And um, ultimately, you know, uh, with anything, uh, ultimately someone someone writes back, um, and this this um, this individual, um, you know, wrote back, and um, we went down a path for we we had a, a few individuals write back, and we were going down multiple paths of of development, and really talking to, we really had to sort of become not experts in the in the tech space, but experts in understanding the application of the various technologies sure. of the individuals that we were speaking to, to realize, to, to meet our, our need. Um, and so we met with a, a few people who um, had different ways of, of doing it um, and ultimately settled um, with, with 10X Beta, who's our, who's our um, development partner um, in, the Brooklyn Navy, in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Uh-huh. It's a, a new lab in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And, um, and, Ultimately, worked worked closely with them to create hardware that would um, solve it. And we had multiple iterations of trying to do the technology in a way that was, you know, conducive to to our need. And ultimately, created a hybrid fusion um, sensing platform with both Bluetooth and computer vision to monitor um, patients and any individual or medical equipment that's coming in and out of the room. Um, to both assess what the individual is doing um, and the type of interaction that they're having, and also to monitor and be a data collection hub for medical equipment, and then the combination of those two things is um, is where the real um, technological leap, I think, happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in order to to meet that, we had to do a lot of stuff with computer vision that hasn't been done before, and um, and the combination of the Bluetooth. Um, together really 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 was um was instrumental so the brooklyn the 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 new lab uh, met, connected us with john gibbs who's now our, our our cto and um mit phd a brilliant man um and he's he's really responsible for most of the technological development uh, that that occurred so let's back up for a second because i know in my intro i described briefly uh, how inspiring is is being used or is envisioned to be used Give the listeners a little bit more of a, a layman's view, if you can, of what it's intended to accomplish. You've you've hinted at it here, but how do you see? Like, what what was the need that drove this view uh, around Inspiron? Can you can you yeah. help us understand that? And you yeah. know, what are some of the? So like, I, I, we can get it. We're going to yeah. get into the details, but I'd love to hear sort of the high level uh, story about it. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, Inspiron. Um, 
Mike's a, a first-generation Chinese uh, immigrant to the United States, and uh, Ren means to as uh, the altruistic force that that dwells within us all. So mm-hmm. the, the name literally means to inspire Ren or to inspire altruism. So this device is really meant to be a connector, not only of technology but of human beings and mm-hmm. and the patient and the provider, and really to provide actionable data um, at the bedside to know what's happening, you know, right now, and to give clinical um, staff and patients a connective way to sort of all be on the same page. Um, Mm -hmm. So in a wide variety of ways, the most simple thing that it does is know who comes into the room and how long they stay. So it'll know that Paul came into the room and I don't know, Paul left the room. Mm -hmm. And with that very simple data uh, timestamp, we're able to create a a game for nurses that shows, you know, which nurse spent the most time with patients and um, which nurse answers the call bells the fastest. So to really gamify the the system so that um, nurses are rewarded for the great work that they're doing and that it's it's visible. um, Mm -hmm. Because um, another thing that it does just with that that simple um, data element is the practice of hourly rounding. So that's the practice of checking on a patient every hour. Uh And uh, in a hospital, if you have nine or 10 patients or five, even if you just have three, it's it's difficult to um, remember really what was the precise last time that I checked on that patient. (laughs) Um, And um, so... We this this device will just light up orange after it's been an hour to let you know, hey, you know, uh, it's been an hour since someone saw this patient, and then anyone can go and and check on the patient. It could be a nurse or a PCA. It creates a, a team atmosphere, um, and then we're rewarding the individuals that um, helped out their teammate. Um, so it, it's just promoting a, a culture of 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 cohesiveness. And then another thing that it does is lets the patient know, you know, um, everyone that checked on them. So, I mean, me having a stroke, wow. it's difficult. You know, physical therapy comes to the room and the yep. nurse comes to the room, you know, like, and you're like, who are all these people, you know? Mm. Um, and it's, it's, as a patient, it's challenging, but this just keeps a log of, you know, these, these are all the people that came and saw you. So it's, um, it, though that's at its basic premise. It really is just to, um, hourly rounding, bedside reporting is another nurse um, mm-hmm. thing. These two things have been shown to improve HCAP scores and press gaining data, but but to actually have it in real time and to, you know, reward people for, for doing it is is kind of a, it, it just hasn't been done this way. Uh, so bedside reporting is the practice of checking on uh, two nurses at shift handoff. They mm-hmm. both will, you know, say, hey, this is my, I'm Paul, you know, I'm your new nurse and Mike's going to be going home. And then Mike says Paul's a great guy, and you know the patient feels like and knows that people care about them together at the bedside. Uh, so this very intelligently knows that both of them are there. It'll light up a different color after you know a designated period of time, say ten seconds goes by, to let you know that the bedside report has been done. And then um, you know the, then then that's it. And then on the patient, it'll say these two nurses came and saw you at this time. And so it's um, so just on those two simple things, I think that's where it started. It's evolved now to be able to know. When a patient is turned, for example, a pressure ulcer is a big problem. And, you know, um, currently in the chart, in the medical chart, it'll say that a patient needs to be turned every two hours. We are getting into the real nitty gritty here. Yeah. We do need to take a really quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk a lot more about the kind of sensing that Inspiron does uh, and how it interacts with the rest of that data. So stick around, folks. We're going to be right back with Paul Coyne on DataPoint. Today's show is brought to you by Bluespire, a full-service digital marketing agency focused on complex and highly regulated industries of healthcare, senior living, and financial services. 
Rapid changes in the healthcare industry are causing consumers to seek out trusted advice, demand more transparency and access to information and content. With over 30 years of healthcare experience, Blue Spire knows how to help you reach, communicate with, and gain trust from these consumers. We help you engage with the right content at every touchpoint. From the first symptom search to appointment scheduling through care management. Visit us at bluespiremarketing.com to learn how we can help you deliver relevant, engaging content through ever-changing touchpoints that matter. All right, we are back on DataPoint. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and we're here today with Paul Coyne, the president and co-founder of Inspiron. Paul, when we went to the break, you were just getting into something that I think is really critical to understand about Inspiron. We we get that patients you know, have uh, lots of uh, sensors that are attached to them while they're in their hospital room and they're collecting data that's being aggregated. You talked about how Inspiron has... Uh, enabled us to see who's coming in and out of the room and at what times and in what combinations. All of that makes sense. But you were just beginning to allude to some other kinds of sensor behavior that Inspiron does. Can you talk a little bit about other kinds of, uh, uh, I guess, awareness that Inspiron uh, is able to notice and catalog? Absolutely. So, so yes, with the with the thermal vision, and again, the way we designed it is um, patient, you know, it's sort of patient agnostic. So we know that there's individuals in the room. The way that we identify staff can potentially be by themselves, you know, the, with their identity of Mike or Paul. Mm-hmm. But um, for, for a patient, um, we basically know if they're there or not. And that's how we design the system deliberately to not um, to not be able to, you know, we can mirror that with other data that has identifiers of, of who, the EMR, really, of who that, who that person is. But for us, we just know they're their computer vision out, outlay, um, and so we're able to to do some things uh, that that other people can't the way that we're doing it, and, and one of them is is um, turn in positioning of, of reducing in, in pressure ulcers, mm-hmm. and what that what that means is a patient lays in the bed for um, a while when they're in the hospital. Some are most are amb- some are ambulatory, some are confined to the bed, and in current practice, um, a provider or a physician or will say. Uh, this patient needs to be turned every, say, two hours is normally the standard. They'll turn the patient to the left. They'll turn them to the right, um, put pillows under them so that, so that the, the pressure is not applied to the same place of the body so that a pressure ulcer doesn't develop. Mm. Um, and so these are very costly, and they've reduced – I mean, they're, they're, they're paying for it. It's a, it's a problem, and it's a preventable thing. Um, if, sure. if turned, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't happen. Um, but currently, um, it requires an order. A turn in position order. Someone needs to say, "Hey, I think this person needs to be turned," and then it requires someone to turn them every two hours. And the way that that's done is in the medical record. Um, it's it's all it could be all done, you know, in a hallway, right? Yes. Um, and so so this 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 device, you know, still on the wall, um, knows if this patient has spent too much, you know, hasn't hasn't moved, mm-hmm. and it, and we're starting to explore the technology to to alert. Um, providers and say, hey, this patient hasn't moved in two hours. They haven't shifted their position, their body weight and their body position. So um, let's alert. Let's let's turn them, which is a far more accurate way of of doing it than you know saying, oh, has the two hours passed? Did they really need an order? You know, it's just like kind of everyone does. If you haven't moved in two hours, sure. we go turn you. 
Um, so that's that's one of the ways. Another another way that we're doing it is uh, for fall prevention. So uh, mm-hmm. there's bed alarms, and sometimes there's even one to ones that require an individual to go in and sit and watch a patient in the room um, because they're at risk of getting up out of the the room. And a lot of time and resources and, and financial resources are spent, you know, on these kinds of uh, these kinds of things. This device, same same one on the wall, would just say, you know, this patient's getting out of bed. <laughs> um, so you know. Go get them, and, yes. and, so, and um, so. But at the same time, that same data capture can also be used to say, well, this patient is getting out of bed, so therefore they're not at risk for a pressure ulcer. So it's the same data point, and we're just applying it in different clinical um, clinical scenarios. So I would imagine that there are other ways that patients' patterns of movement could be useful, especially when compared with other biometric data. Um, you know, perhaps to determine. Is somebody over or under medicated, for example? Uh, is the quality of their sleep good or bad? Are are any of those kind of things, you know, possible today or you know, potential for the future? Yeah, potential for the future, particularly sleep, as you had, as you had mentioned. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely, that's uh, an area that we're taking the the technology with. With um, we have sort of three um, ways that we're developing the technology. The first is with the hardware itself to be able to do do more um, in terms of computer vision and some of the technology that's you know behind the hood of, mm-hmm. of the device. Um, the second is on the software development of of the actual mobile applications that deliver that we've developed that deliver the information to the, the patient. And then the third is the analytics, both that feed the app, but also do what you just stated, which is to make sense of the computer vision in a way that is um, apply, applicable to new use cases. And I would imagine that with what you described about the, uh, I guess, the relative anonymity of the patient to the Inspiron system, some of those things would have to be done retroactively, right, to sort of match the timestamps between a heart monitor and the patterns of movement and that that kind of thing. Um, is that is that correct? Yeah. Um, from so the the anonymity is really up to the the hospital. I mean, if we, mm. if we want to uh, create, it's just where the data goes. If it feeds sure. to a data warehouse where there's where there's where some of that other data is, it can very easily be be joined. We could probably do this for three hours and not get nearly enough. But uh, I'm not going to do that to you or or uh, anybody else Your today. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I hope, like, I, hope I, hope they, I hope they feel the same. They're they're going to be begging for more. Um, okay. So. I do want to ask about where you are in this process. Tell me about, you know, you talked about assembling the team. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that you had pulled John Gipps from MIT. What else does your team look like? How big are you? What? How are you made up? Yeah, so we, we're starting to bring more in-house now. We had we had worked with a wonderful development partner to develop some of the software, Normative, uh, a Canadian company, mm-hmm. to develop a lot of the, the mobile applications and the software. Um, our internal team um, currently was made up of um, of Vin, my, my, he's a COO, wonderful um, software implementation expert um, and project manager that um, worked for a few years at Accenture and then moved to Viva. And then now with us, he was actually my roommate uh, for the first five years uh, when I recovered from a stroke. So How about that? He's, um, both, uh, he's helped me wonderfully both both recover from a stroke and, and start a company. So I owe, I owe him an awful lot. Amazing. Um, and um, so he's, he's really leading the operations of the, the company the day-to-day. You know, getting the insurance and, and everything that it takes to run run a company, um, and then um, Jeff Morelli, who's who was my roommate after after Vin um, moved in with his now wife. Um, Jeff was my second roommate, also um, was Vin's friend from from Accenture, um, and 
ended up being my roommate and now um, a brilliant analytics expert um, and also software software implementation. Uh, so the two of them are really leading a lot of the the boots on the ground and the the real the real day to day operations. And then Mike, clearly the visionary who who you know thought of this entire thing and and really leads leads the company. Um, and then we just um, hired an individual, Rahul uh, Rana, who's a computer vision expert, uh, master's degree, um, and uh, young guy, but just just brilliant in terms of uh, his computer vision skills. So that's sort of the core. And Sabrina um, Butcher um, is our director of clinical implementation. She's a nurse. She's been with us from the from the beginning, and um, she was actually Mike's charge nurse. Um, and oh, wow. um, he 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 brought her on to um, to lead a lot of the the clinical actual the way that the 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 the, 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 the nurse and the the clinical the charge nurse a lot of the development of how this actually works on the floor um, is is her so um, well that's our that's our our core team and then we have a lot of uh, vendors that that work with us for for right. everything else you know so and I guess if the if the pattern holds your wife should be taking a key role with the company soon because I'm guessing she's your current roommate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. No, she she'll say absolutely not. <laughs> but, but, but she's more than capable. She's she's the reason for it all. So. so it sounds like a really exciting time for you as you're beginning to bring some of these things in house and bring these different types of expertise together. Tell me about where you are in terms of the the product itself. You know, how is this being used in real life? Uh, how is it being used? What's how do you see that that usage growing over the next couple of years? Yeah, so we're piloting at a major academic medical center in in New York City. We're in about forty beds right now um, mm-hmm. in that hospital. We're signing contracts currently for um, expansion to to two more hospitals, and um, we are we're working to do novel research on this. So, so, I mean, this kind of data hasn't ever been really available before. And so Columbia Nursing is really conducting, uh, Dr. Carolyn son at Columbia Nursing is really um, spearheading the research efforts there to drive a lot of what is applied to the research arm of, you know, um, is this the impact of this on falls, the impact of it on pressure ulcers, the impact of it on patient satisfaction and nurse satisfaction, nurse retention, all of these things that we know will be improved as a result of this because it's been proven before. It's just hourly rounding. It, it used to require an individual to walk around with a clipboard and kind of right. see who, you know, but now this data is just readily available without, you know, substantial investment in researchers. So uh, it's been proven to work. It just hasn't been this readily available. And so um, we're going to c- continue to conduct the research, um, get into more hospitals. Nursing homes is another um, wonderful uh, mm. place where the technology can be applied. And, um, and we'll just um, continue to enhance our technology team to continue to do, you know, more remarkable things with the computer vision, and uh, and you know, hopefully, just make more of an impact and save some more um, save some more lives. I I I always I think about you know people ask why I did this, and and my my mom, you know. Stayed in the hospital every night. She's never missed a night. If I'm if I'm in the hospital now, she'll wow. drive down from Boston. And and um, you know, I've probably spent 50 or 60 nights in the hospital. Um, and my mom's never missed missed one in the in the chair next to me. And, and you know, a lot of people don't have that. You know, right. Um, and and so this technology, um, you know, is is a you know, it's not <laughs> nothing's as good as my mom, right? But this is about as close as as you can. We're trying to make something that this is close as you can get to creating an environment that that feels that way both yeah. both emotionally and and tech, you know and in term, both emotionally and from the tech perspective of having someone that 
uh, knows that you're that you're there, but really because it's bringing other human beings and creating this environment of in. We we call it in the device for interaction, in for insight, but mainly in for interaction because we're trying to promote you know real interaction, genuine, authentic interaction between care teams and patients to yep. to create a better better healing environment. So I want to close here, and we just have a few minutes left, but we've revolved several times back to the subject of nurse. And you talked about the nurse as healer, right? The person who is most able to impact the healing of a patient physically and emotionally. This also touches on a theme around nurse as innovator. And that is a theme that I think is probably less well understood can you tell me about some of the work that you uh, are doing and are doing in concert with others to enhance yeah. and, and help to raise awareness around that role of nurse as innovator? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I think this is, you know, nurses are the most trusted profession um, year after year in every yep. in every poll and caring are words that are used to describe these, uh, this profession a lot, my profession. But um but innovator, you know, it wasn't really at the top, though though it should have been, because Florence Nightingale innovated the profession out of right. need um, in the modern age, and she was an, she was she she was an innovator. That's why that's why the nurses exist. Um, and um, so from then, you know, every every shift, a nurse has to innovate, it, whether that's you know figuring out a better way to tie the IV tubes or you know you know use a use a, a product differently. So uh, the nurses are innovating all the time. It's just, I don't know if everyone sees themselves that way as a nurse, right. but they should. Um, so there's a movement, I think, happening where um, where nurses, nurses' knowledge and innovative spirit and really their drive and incentive to, to care for the patient uh, is really where all innovation should come from. Um, and so based on their knowledge, their innovative spirit, and that intent uh, really makes a nurse there's no better person to innovate uh, than right. a nurse. And so we are trying, you know, our, our best, Mike and I and, and Sabrina and, and everyone at Inspiring, um, Mike and I just co-authored a book uh, called The Nurse's Guide to Innovator, Innovation uh, with some other nurse leaders in the in the United States, Rebecca Love, um, who gave the, who was the first nurse ever featured on TED, is a co-author. Bonnie Clipper, uh, the former vice president of innovation at the American Nurses Association, um, is, is co-author. So that book is coming out in August, and really hoping that that this this movement sort of sort of catches on because when unleashed, you know, the power of nurse innovation, I think, will really have great impact on patient care and and really everyone. We're all going to be patients. We're all patients, you know. So um, just on all of us in the healthcare system uh, as a whole, I think it'll have um, great great impact. And Rebecca Love and some others uh, co-founded uh, this group called Sanciel, um, which is um, a society for nurse innovation, entrepreneurship, and, and leadership to really sort of some of these themes that I just talked about really um, collect. Um, people that are passionate about this together and and really drive it forward. So there's a lot of great work coming out of uh, coming out of that as well. And even some of the larger um, companies, uh, Johnson and Johnson does a, you know, just has a pitch events now. And you know a lot of some of the other companies are really uh, starting to tap into the, to tap into this potential. So it's great to see. And I and um, yeah. you know, I, I hope that you know there's nothing that we always say to that there's nothing that we did um, at Inspire and that was you know, um, revolutionary, uh, the technology is, but us as human beings are anyone really, if you put your mind to it, I think a nurse, any nurse could, could really follow these, follow this way. So we're, we're just trying to, um, show everyone that, that it's possible and that, um, you know, 
great, yep. great with with a great team. I don't know if I I certainly couldn't have done do anything alone, but with a great team um, of of people that that care about each other and are trying to do the right thing. Um, particularly nurses, I think can do can do whatever they they set their mind to with the with regard yep. to innovation. I think that is fantastic, and it's a great way to close us out. I have a feeling it's not going to be the last we're hearing about Nurse as Innovator here on the Datapoint podcast. Of course, Bonnie Clipper was one of the very first uh, guests that we ever had on the show and still a good friend. And so we are going to keep our eyes open for the book as it comes out in August. And in the show notes for this podcast, I'm going to include links for SONCL, which is the organization of nurses that Paul referenced, as well as your website, Paul, Inspiren, which is I-N-S-P-I-R-E-N.com. Hopefully I got that right. I will also post links to social media so that people can begin to connect with you. Paul, I can't thank you enough for being with us today, for sharing your experience. And um, I I know we're going to want to stay in tune in the future. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Data Point podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.